Another Taiwan national has confessed to harming mainland China on Chinese state television. Following the public confession of Morrison Lee on Sunday, a man named Zhen Yuqing appeared on the second segment of a report on Taiwan spies. Zhen Yuqing was arrested on his visit to China last April on allegations of spying for Taiwan in Czech Republic and other countries. Taiwan officials have rejected the charges and called on China not to use lies to create terror. Actually, I can understand the feelings of the government of mainland China. No country can tolerate people who advocate for splitting its territory. I understand that. And I know that the things I did were harmful for mainland China. The man in glasses confesses to guilt in the second segment of a CCTV program. The show says China has uncovered hundreds of Taiwan spies. Zheng is the latest to be featured. Zheng Yuqing, Taiwan Gaoxiongren. Zheng Yuqing, a Taiwanese from Kaohsiung, he was an aide to former DPP chairman Zhuo Rongtai. He's been arrested by national security forces after being found engaging in espionage against mainland China. Zheng stands accused of spying for Taiwan. He allegedly operated in countries such as the Czech Republic, attempting to recruit China nationals, defaming China, and sabotaging China's diplomatic relationships. After the show aired, former DPP chairman Zhuo posted a statement on Facebook. He writes that he does not know Zheng, who was never his aide. The news report is false, Zhou wrote. We can see from this that China is connecting people to trumped-up charges to spread slander and at the same time to create terror. It's behavior not befitting to a big country. Have we reached the point where China has to exteriorize its internal problems by utilizing innocent and unimportant Taiwanese people to divert pressure away from Xi Jinping and his people over their improper governance? According to a 2015 report from the China-backed Prague Chinese Times, Zheng had received then-Chinese Vice Premier Liu Yandong on her visit to Prague's Charles University. The report appeared to indicate close interactions between Zheng and Chinese authorities. This year, Taiwan and the Czech Republic have had warming relations, culminating in the Taiwan visit of the Czech Senate President in August. Now in October, the CCTV program on Taiwan spies has put the spotlight on a longtime Taiwan national who is living in the Czech Republic. What Beijing's motives could be are a source of speculation. Over the past few years, there have been several cases of Taiwanese nationals confessing to charges in China. In 2017, human rights worker Li Mingzhe was abducted by Chinese police, re-emerging a few months later with a public apology. On Sunday, former Fengliao Township office advisor Morrison Lee appeared on a CCTV segment with a public apology. Taiwan officials have decried the confessions as internal propaganda and a move to intimidate Taiwan. Taiwan registered one new imported COVID case on Tuesday. He's a man in his 40s who recently returned from working in China. The last time Taiwan saw a case imported from China was eight months ago on February 13th. China is seeing signs of a resurgence of COVID spread. A new cluster of cases has emerged at a port in Shandong province after nearly two months without domestic transmission. Today, we have one new imported COVID case. The previous case imported from China was case number 13 on February 13th. For the first time in eight months, an arrival from China has tested COVID positive in Taiwan. Case number 530 is a Taiwanese businessman in his 40s who went to China's Jiangsu province in February for work. He returned to Taiwan on Saturday with a cough and other symptoms. A test administered upon landing turned out positive. 
When he was in China, he purchased some medicine on his own. He didn't seek medical treatment there, so he didn't suspect he had COVID. Meanwhile, China's Qingdao is seeing a new COVID outbreak, a sign that domestic infections could be resurging. In Taiwan, there are mounting concerns over a new distribution deal for vaccines created by a German biotech firm. Reports indicate that this vaccine candidate was co-developed with China's Fosun Pharma. China's Fosun Pharma is just their agent in Asia, so they have a stake in the company, but it's just 0.7%. BioNTech's three main stakeholders are all German companies. Together, they hold 75.11% of shares. On September 15, 2020, the company received a grant of 375 million euros from the German government to speed up COVID vaccine development. If BioNTech were Chinese-funded, the German government wouldn't have any reason to give them the funding. According to TTY Pharma, the first batch of 10 million vials could be delivered as early as the first quarter of 2021. That's enough to vaccinate 5 million people. Storing vials on reserve will be a challenge as they need to be kept at minus 70 degrees Celsius. The higher the temperature, the shorter the shelf life. The CECC said it's still working out the logistics. It's more feasible to have the vaccine be administered at a few locations. It's different from the way we've administered flu shots in the past, with 3,000 or 4,000 clinics offering the vaccines. As for domestic vaccine development, officials say the soonest one could arrive is the second quarter of 2021. The CECC says it's pursuing all channels to obtain enough vaccines to get Taiwan past the COVID era. With the housing market heating up, so is the demand for furniture. Taipei's Wuntang Street, also known as Furniture Street, is riding high on the wave of consumer demand. Vendors say that store visits have doubled compared to last year. They're seeing more new families and first-time home buyers who gravitate toward furniture for small homes. Space savers like storage cabinets and multifunctional pieces are especially popular. In the first nine months of the year, furniture chain Scantique posted annual revenue growth of nearly 16% to set a record high. Revenue at Test Right International also hit new highs with a yearly rise of 6% for the first three quarters. A popular restaurant in a freeway service area has become so sought after that the owners complain they have too many patrons. The famous pork chop at Xinzhu's Guanxi service area is so good that travelers come back again and again just for the meal. Let's take a look. Pork chops sizzle in the deep fryer. Another chef stir-fries cabbage. A sea of customers stand before the counter. They're here for a delicacy only on sale at Guanxi Service Area in Xinchu. This place is famous. I live in Taichung. Every time I drive by here, I come and buy this pork chop. The chop is fried to a golden crisp and drizzled with Hakka Mandarin orange sauce. Sweet, sour, and not too oily. No wonder customers keep coming back for more. The dish's fame attracts a steady stream of diners. Don't forget to take your number tickets in the queue. One diner who couldn't get a chop filed a complaint with the freeway bureau. We've increased the quantities we serve as much as possible, but there really are too many people. However fast we work, we can't possibly serve more than 2,000 people in one day. Since the pandemic, we've installed a numbered ticket machine so people can get a number in the queue and don't have to all bunch together at the counter. The pandemic has done strange things to traffic volume. Falling since February, customer numbers at freeway service areas nationwide reached a nadir in April, but started recovering in May. 
In August, profits were almost 400 million NT, up more than 13% compared to the same period last year. At Guanxi Service Area, profits in July and August were up 40% and 50% year-on-year. The facility was renovated last year. Besides welcoming famous restaurant franchises, it also opened a pet-friendly eatery where humans and animals can chow down together. Last year, during our whole refurbishment, we opened a pet dining area to meet customer demand, where travelers with pets can have their own space in which to rest. Many service areas have been done up in recent years, sometimes becoming popular destinations in their own right. Keelung City is on its way to getting an MRT. The transport minister proposed a plan on Tuesday at a meeting with the mayors of Taipei, New Taipei and Keelung. The meeting led to a consensus on upgrading Keelung's light rail project to a medium capacity MRT system that connects to Taipei. Besides that, four other agreements were reached between the mayors. Today was the first meeting. We reached the consensus on many concrete issues. These five points of consensus will serve as the foundation for future negotiations. Our Taipei Eastern Gateway development plan centers on Nangang. We wanted the rail line to be underground for the ease of overground traffic. The central government was willing to take our suggestion. Since we suggested it, we will have to put some money toward that. Since the Jilong line will be turned into an MRT line, it can be integrated with the eastern stretch of the Mingshan Shiji line and built quickly. New Taipei would be happy for that to happen. We're casting aside the boundaries between cities. We're standing high up at the national level as we chart out a comprehensive plan. Keelong Mayor Lin Youchang says his city has wanted an MRT line for almost 30 years. Now their hopes could finally be coming to fruition. The Bureau of Energy pledged on Tuesday that Taiwan's power supply will remain stable through to 2030, even with rising industrial demand. Deputy Chief of Energy Li Jingli says in Taiwan is projected to maintain a reserve margin of at least 15 percent. The statement comes amid concerns that power supply will fall behind demand as Taiwanese companies leave China to move production back home. Taiwan is pushing to transition to clean energy with a goal of 25% renewables by 2030. To get in on the burgeoning green market, foreign firms have flocked to invest in Taiwan's energy sector. To mention a few, we have signed contracts on blades and towers, on switchgears, and we believe that the significant investments that have been made and will be made by us, our customers and the local supply chain will deliver uh, a supply chain, a local supply chain development and local jobs that will benefit the economy. More and more local businesses are joining the green supply chain, powering fast growth in alternative energy stocks. But at the same time, there are concerns about the future of the industry. Amid the U.S.-China trade war and ongoing pandemic, there's been a tide of reshoring Taiwan firms driving up demand for electricity. On Tuesday, officials moved to allay fears of a power shortage. So our estimates for next year are that, even if more Taiwanese firms return to Taiwan to invest, and if the economy keeps growing, we can maintain a reserve margin of more than 15 percent, between 15 and 16 percent, maybe closer to 16. We will maintain a stable supply. So regarding the country's energy security, 
Please rest assured. Unit 1 of the nuclear power plant number 2 is due for decommissioning next year. Its retirement coincides with rising power demand from reshoring firms, raising concerns over energy security. But the Ministry of Economic Affairs pledges that the grid will remain stable through to at least 2030. A new education ministry body aims to help students make the most of their intellectual property by working with industry. Established last year, the Impact Center brings students and businesses together to improve their impact on society. Today, let's check out the work underway by students at National Changong University and Taipei Tech. Here at NCKU Hospital, nurses do the ward rounds. On their wrists are these warm heart bracelets developed by students on the interdisciplinary smart disease prevention R&D team at NCKU. They monitor body temperature and heart rate. These signals are automatically sent to the cloud, where big data algorithms tell us what's going on. It lets us give these medical workers a demographic exposed to high risk, timely and appropriate care, so they're not looking after patients while putting a burden on their own heart. With the help of the Impact Center, the team launched a startup this May. Its head is Professor Zhuang Kunda of NCKU's Computer Science Department, but its ranks come from across various disciplines. They hope the product will be on the market as soon as possible to help mitigate the impact of the coronavirus. Impact, aka the IP Management and Promotion Administration Center at Taiwan, is a government initiative. The Warm Hearts Bracelet are just one example of its pairing of student talent with industry. A research team from Taipei Tech has brought artificial intelligence into agriculture, helping companies develop smart tech for farms. Sometimes when we're doing research, we don't know if it can actually be implemented, or if the consumer would be willing to pay for it, or what they have technologically. We're doing our best to make a breakthrough, but they don't necessarily actually need the thing. So Impact's help gives us a lot. They help us do market analysis and find out where the gaps in technology are, so we know better which direction to go in, where to do deeper research. One beneficiary of Impact is Taiwan's almond mushroom growers, who've got help to get into the global market. The center hopes in the long term to cultivate Taiwan's academic stars so they can make a difference to the nation's economy for decades to come. And now we turn to ways to work out without hitting the gym. The Health Promotion Administration invited Turkish entertainer Wu Feng and a sports trainer to show off some drills that can be done at a local park. Using tree trunks, armrests, seats and trails, you can work on your muscles and improve your heart health. Let's take a look. Hold on to handrail or tree trunk with both hands and slowly do a push-up. This can strengthen the arms, chest, abdomen, and calves. There's also this move. Sit down on a chair or a stone bench and do a one-leg raise and knee extension exercise to train the abdomen and lower limb muscles. Last but not least, don't forget to walk. A few minutes a day can improve cardiopulmonary health, lower limb muscle strength, and muscular endurance. Doing push-ups off the ground might be tough for most people or for seniors, so we can use something a bit more stable like handrails, trees or walls. We can practice that same movement. It trains the upper limbs. The second exercise mainly trains the strength of the abdomen and thighs, because properly conditioned thighs are very helpful to our knees. 
To encourage people to be more active, the Health Promotion Administration invited Turkish entertainer and a professional fitness instructor to demonstrate easy and effective moves that can be done in the park or at home. Taiwanese people are very fortunate because there are many opportunities to go out to exercise. We have many parks where we can exercise, and it is very simple. Find a tree, lean on it, and you can exercise. Also, being outdoors poses a lower risk of COVID spread. Because of the epidemic, many indoor venues closed. Because of that, many people cut back on their workouts at home and elsewhere. We found that overseas, parks serve as very good exercise centers. While the pandemic is ongoing, parkgoers should take care to maintain a safe social distance while exercising. If you have a fever or respiratory symptoms, the HPA says it's still better to stay in. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Yi Zopeng in Taipei. Doctors and patients from Cathay General Hospital are warning of the risks of rich food just before bed. Just before sleep, our bodies find it especially hard to handle foods high in fat and sugar. Despite advanced treatments for cardio problems, the heart is fragile. Doctors advise the public to find a less sweet treat to snag on when feeling hungry late at night. Now 76, Mr. Chen suffered a heart attack five years ago. He ate three healthy meals a day and would walk a solid 5,000 steps daily. But for at least 20 years, he had enjoyed a sweet snack before bed most evenings. My habit used to be to eat dinner late and then have a dessert, maybe coffee. Less than two hours after eating, I would go to bed. Then one day I couldn't get up from the sofa. My wife took my blood pressure and it was very high. She felt it was an emergency and rang 119 to get me to the hospital. The doctors immediately said, take him to the operating room. Our bodies find it hard to digest sweet foods just before sleep. Over the long term, they can cause blockages in the arteries of our heart. These foods turn into fatty deposits or cholesterol deposits on the arterial walls. So we generally advise patients not to eat sugary or fatty foods less than two hours before going to bed. This doctor warns that the trans fats and refined carbs in sugary foods can gradually cause the blood to thicken. That can lead to a heart attack out of the blue or cause chronic coronary heart disease. Sugar is especially hard to digest before bed and can seriously damage the heart. If you're really hungry, we recommend finishing your food at least two hours before sleep. If you're hungry again, perhaps drink dairy or soy milk, something not quite so sweet or fatty. Mr. Chen was given a cardiac catheterization, but he still suffered from a persistent angina and grew short of breath when walking or climbing stairs. A treatment called shockwave lithotripsy helped his heart to regenerate, but still he would counsel his friends to wean themselves off the dessert.